Thanks for taking time out of your day to join us here on The Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas from me so you can save more and spend less. And don't let anyone ever rip you off. Whenever you have a question for me, go to clark.com slash ask. Later, we're going to have clark.com slash clarkstinks on the air, where you get to hear other people's unhappiness with me, beefs with me, or corrections for me for something I have said on the air. So I have the newest numbers are just in for what student loan interest rates are going to be for this coming school year. And the good news is that interest rates on the federal student loan program for undergraduates going to be 4.5%. You want to be precise, 4.53%. And that is a reduction for the next year. If you're not aware or if you have a child who's a freshman in college, these rates reset every 12 months in the spring for the following school year. So the undergraduate rate is the most favorable, has a tight limit on how much you can borrow, but graduate student rates are quite a bit higher than the undergraduate rates, but don't have the tight cap on how much you can borrow under the federal program. And those rates are going to be 6% for the next year. And if a parent is borrowing money for the benefit of a child, that is going to be at 7%. And I should say for graduate students beyond a certain point, you jump from 6% to 7%. In each case, I've rounded off just slightly a couple hundredths of a point because it's easier to remember. Simply undergraduates, four and a half, graduate students, six, parents and excess graduate loans, 7%. And your borrowing should, for whatever borrowing you do, always be under the federal student loan program. There will be people that will push you towards private student loans. They are poison. Stay away from them, no matter what. If you are considering attending a for-profit school and they're trying to push you to sign for private loans, don't do it. But the most important rule for you to follow, no matter where you're going to school, never, 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 not ever, borrow in total more on student loans than what you're likely to earn the first year on a job in the profession that you're going to school for. When I think about people who end up with borrowing that they're stuck with for decades, it just tears at me. And I was talking with a gentleman yesterday who has two children getting close to college age, and he went to an expensive college that took him 20 years to pay off the student loans. And he said, I've been talking to my son and daughter about this, that I don't want them on the path that I was on. Because I suffered because of those 20 years of student loan payments I had to make. And I've even talked to them about going to school locally so that they can stay at home and have much lower costs. These are the kind of conversations 
I want you to have with your son or daughter when they're in about the ninth grade that you start having these conversations so that they don't get set in their mind that it's a great idea to go to the zillion dollar university. Raj is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Raj. Hey, Clark. How are you doing? I'm doing good, Clark. How are you? Great, thank you. You have an update for me on something I scratched my head about recently on the air, don't you? Yes, I do. So there was a a recent uh, call, and uh, there was a question about after-tax 401k, and there seemed to be some confusion there. So I thought I would uh, give you a call and uh, share what I know about it. All right. So since I took that call, I've done some reading myself, but I'd love for you to go ahead and give the explanation. Sure. Um, so uh, we all know that there are multiple types of uh, 401ks. So one is the traditional Lazarus Roth, and the third one is the after tax. So IRS usually sets limits on the amount of money that you can contribute on the 401k, which is $19,000 this year. Um, if you are under 50 and uh, add another $6,000 if you are above 50. Uh, above 50. But if, you, uh, if your employer allows, you can do something called an after-tax contribution, which is on top of the 19000 So what happens is you can uh, contribute, let's say you are contributing X percent of your salary, and then you, you let's say, that, uh, invest 19000 there is still money left uh, that you want to invest, you go into something called an after-tax bucket. And uh, typically what happens is uh, the money that goes in is already taxed, but the earnings accrue tax-free, and when you withdraw it, the the earnings alone gets taxed at your ordinary income tax level. So that's how uh, you... Uh, people might be able to invest more than the 19,000 limit, and the total is about $56,000, including your your contributions to 401k, Roth's 401k, after tax, and your company uh, company matches. And your explanation is perfect. Now, the thing is, uh, most people are never going to even contribute to what they can contribute as the max of a 401k. So it's going to be typically somebody who's what I call a max saver, somebody who is determined to live on much less than what they make, be able to retire when they're happy to retire, or maybe somebody who makes a big paycheck and is in a high tax bracket and they're able to uh, tax defer paying tax on earnings till way down the road. Now, uh, from analyzing it after that phone call, I think that most people are going to be better served, Raj, by doing, instead of doing the non, uh, the after-tax 401k, doing a traditional investment account and putting money into index funds or index exchange traded funds, because with this after-tax 401k, the money you earn on it is going to be subject to ordinary income tax, the highest tax rate you're subject to, where capital gains is much, much lower, which you have in a regular investment account. That, that is true, uh, Clark, but there is, uh, there, uh, if I can add, some companies, uh, I believe, uh, actually I should say many companies, they do allow you to do a in-plan Roth conversion. So what happens is, 
you deposit it after tax and it gets converted into Roth uh, immediately. So there is a tremendous benefit for people uh, going this after tax route as well especially if your company allows you to do that. so No doubt. Uh, you're completely right. I mean, that's you're describing the same strategy that I talk about with the weird thing called a non-deductible IRA, which people that are prohibited by income from doing a Roth IRA put money in this non-deductible and then immediately recharacterize it as a Roth, and it's a way around the normal income restriction. And yes, you are completely right. If you have the ability to go around the normal limit, contribute additional money into an after-tax 401k, and then virtually immediately reclassify it as Roth money, it is an esoteric strategy, but it's fantastic because then instead of having to pay tax on the earnings down the road, it's all yours tax-free. So I really appreciate you calling in about it because I was clueless when I took that call. And then it was like, oh, yeah, this is just like a non-deductible IRA. But then you added the additional wrinkle, and it can work for a very, very thin slice of people. Cheryl is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Cheryl. Hi, how are you? Great. Thank you, Cheryl. How can I be of service? So our youngest son just graduated from high school and has the intentions on going to an in-state school this fall to pursue his college career. And our state actually has a scholarship program in which he qualifies for, and we have put aside money um, to pay for the rest of what we expect for his normal tuition and room and board. Now, wait, wait, just one second. Pause for one second. Yes. got to be proud of that young man because it means that he's a brainiac that he qualified for this uh, full, free academic ride as long as he keeps up good grades. Correct. We are very proud of him. Okay, I wanted to hear that. I wanted to hear that pride because <laughs> I wasn't hearing it in your voice. Yes, we are extremely proud of. All our- right. So my question is: is we he's been very generously given um, a congratulation congratulations gift from both of his grandmothers in the amount of $10,000 each. So he has $20,000 to go towards any additional college expenses. However, what we want to do is find a way to invest that money for him um, for a long-term plan for him, but have access to it in the short term. Should we have some unforeseen expenses or one of us lose our job or some, our, our financial situation changes during his college course. Okay, so you're trying to do a lot of things all at once here. So uh, let's first talk about your son. And it's hard to ask this of somebody who's not even a college freshman yet. Is he likely to go on to graduate or professional school knowing who your son is? More than likely not. So he's going to finish his undergraduate degree. He's done. Correct. All right. So in that case, it would make sense for this money if you're worried about the short term first, while he's in school, for that money just to be parked in simple savings. Okay. You're not going to be able to do anything exotic or earn any great amount on it, but 
your son will be able to earn by today's conditions around almost two and a half percent on that money. Okay. And it just sits. And once he is out earning a paycheck over uh, just a very short period of time, he'll be able to migrate that money into Roth IRA money, which can then grow tax-free for him all through his working lifetime. Okay. We actually met with um, his investment planner and our investment planner, and they advised us to put it in a money market. Yeah, that's the equivalent of doing okay. a savings account. If, but I don't know that in the money market you'll earn as high an interest rate as you would with these online savings accounts right now. Okay. It, but okay. it's close enough. You were probably looking at a rate a little under 2% in the money okay. market. Okay. I'm guessing would be about where it was. So that's fine um, because it just parks the cash, but... I also like the idea of the online savings. Okay, perfect. And then once your situation feels stable enough or he's far enough along in school, uh, particularly if he's working part-time while he's in college, he can start migrating the amount of money he's earning each year into the Roth, or he can just wait four years till he finishes undergraduate school and migrate money into Roths. Okay. But Roths are the key because the fact is the money goes in and then earns for the rest of his working lifetime everything it earns tax-free and then it's spent tax-free, which is quite a deal. Dustin's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Dustin. How are you? Hey, Clark. Thanks for taking my call. Good to talk to you again. Well, good to have you here. What did we talk about before? You gave me advice on booking a cheap trip to Las Vegas uh, about a year ago, and, uh, well, we just booked everything, and now I'm trying to figure out how to eat cheaply while we are there. Oh, well, you just go to the closest Costco, and you have the hot dog and drink <laughs> for a buck fifty every meal. No. So <laughs> in Vegas, it's really interesting with getting deals on food. It's changed completely. Uh, the whole nature of Las Vegas has changed over the last 20 years and there used to be these very very inexpensive buffets in virtually every casino on the strip and i'm talking about you know for breakfast or lunch a dollar 99 and for dinner like 5.99 that kind of thing those are yeah. pretty much all gone so vegas has become a foodie kind of town with really fancy restaurants and uh, you know, um, celebrity chefs and all that. So it's gone from being one of the cheapest places to eat in America to now one of the more expensive places to eat. So I've yeah. I've discovered that there is a pattern to deals there, though. Okay. That, and it's going to require you to use the clock as your friend. And what all I mean right. by that, Vegas is a late town. People eat late, they party late, they party all night. And so these zillion night spots have very few customers late afternoon into early evening. And so there are tons of deals where you eat for half price if you go early bird. Uh, Generally, most of them cut off. You got to be seated by 6, 6.30 or 7. That's not a problem at all. Okay. 
And if you go um, to Vegas.com, there's a thing okay. with lots of buffets. There's also a site called VegasEater.com that okay. has a guide to... Out. You been to that one? No, I, I will. I need to. All right. And so that one has a write-up on the best happy hour deals in Vegas with a map and you can click on and see all the different places and the deals they're offering. Great. I'll check those out later then. Thank you. Sure. And I hope you have a great, great trip to Vegas. I was just recounting with the crew that I changed planes in Las Vegas a week ago, two weeks ago, and it's really even changing planes there is different than everywhere else in America. I'm so glad to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, which is all about you learning ways to save more and spend less, and don't let anybody ever rip you off. So those are the goalposts I strive for on the show, because every reference must relate to football. And there are times you feel that I don't score, that I don't do a good job delivering guidance, advice. You feel the information I'm giving is poor or that I'm just plain wrong. That's why we have Clark.com slash Clark Stinks. It's where you can go post your disappointment, disagreement, or anger with me. And then others can read your posts. They can add their own comments. They can agree or disagree with you. And then weekly, our producer Krista goes through your posts on Clark Stinks and shares highlights from various posts with you here on the air. I should have never encouraged you to speak. You must think I'm pretty stupid. You should be ashamed of yourself. Well, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you're right, pal. All right, I just want to say this. Your listeners are so awesome, so kind. Almost every single one says, hey, you really don't stink, but... So I'm probably going to stop reading those because there are so many. But I love those descriptions when somebody says, there you go, with that dollar store deodorant again, you know, that kind of stuff. I I think I love the humor when somebody feels I really am stinking it up. And there's nothing wrong with dollar store deodorant. Okay. I know this this is a topic that has been discussed, but I'm always frustrated when Clark dismisses Apple as more expensive than Android. Here's my challenge. Find an Android phone that's supported as long as Apple phones. There are none that I know of. More often than not, investing in quality products that are more expensive but last longer pays off. Thank you. And I know there's this sense that that I'm anti-Apple. Just my wallet is anti-Apple because my family is so heavily into Apple products of every kind. The ear things the Apple phones, the iPhones, the MacBook computers. I mean, I'm just surrounded by Apple. And I just prefer the simplicity of an Android and the fact that Androids come in so many different shapes and sizes and are generally cheaper. You are right that Apple does a better job than a lot of manufacturers of Android devices in doing the updates that keep a phone relevant for many, many years. Clark, please stop telling people to have their kids use Uber or Lyft. If they are not 18, they legally cannot ride alone, 
as us as drivers will not be covered by insurance. Unaccompanied minors having to be canceled on because parents don't realize that they cannot ride alone are annoying to both the child and the driver. Sure, a few drivers will look the other way, but they all take the risk. The responsible driver will report your account. Keep up the great work, William. William, thank you for that. Uh, In a reverse of that, my daughter recently was stopped by her. She was riding in a lift, and the driver said, I don't believe you're 18, which she's a good deal past 18. And she had to produce her driver's license before the driver would drive her to where she was going. So this is an area of enhanced sensitivity there are now a handful of services that are popping up in big urban areas that specifically transport teenagers who are too young that background and interestingly enough do you know about any of these chris i saw you nodding your head yes i have heard of okay do you know that the drivers that work for the services that that move teens in urban areas Mm mm-hmm are pretty much 100% women. I was going to say moms. That's what, (laughs) I mean, that's a stereotype, but man, my friends and I are always saying we're taxi drivers. But the reason the drivers of these services are women is a lot of people are nervous about a teenager riding with an adult male that they don't know in a vehicle. Clark, I love listening, but I believe you stunk it up on this. Both of my college kids have lived in off-campus apartments for several years. I sign as guarantor on their leases, but only for their room. Each roommate has their own lease, so I was in no way responsible for any of the others should they leave school or just not pay their rent. We live in a college town, and I believe that all of the apartment complexes are the same, making me only liable for my own kid, Eileen. And this was a topic you got a lot of pushback on. I'm glad. I'm glad because my only experience and knowledge of this is where the apartment complex or the owner of a property requires that the parents that sign the guarantee on the lease are signing, acknowledging that they are responsible for the individual child's rent and that everyone is jointly responsible if somebody skips out and doesn't pay their rent. So if there are a number of landlords in college towns that are not requiring that, that's fantastic, and that's great for me to know. And I appreciate, this is one of those cases that is a perfect example about why we do Clark Stinks, because we really do all learn together, and the next time I answer this question, I'll answer it better because of all of you who took time to post that your experience was different than what I had said. Travel insurance, like all types of insurance, should only be purchased if the loss would be detrimental to your livelihood. If you're going on that nice of a vacation, you cannot afford it, Ryan. Well, Ryan, you're like throwing words right back at me that I've said about other things, like the fancy TVs and how the salespeople push the extended service contract so heavily. And so (laughs) that's true because you should never buy a TV that you can't afford to repair or replace because it is uh, an item we like to have, but it's certainly not a necessity. Well, some people might think it is. Uh, And so that is true with trip cancellation and trip interruption insurance. 
The thing is that some of the trips people take are expensive enough that even though somebody might be able to absorb the loss, psychologically, uh, we're talking much more money than a TV, psychologically it could really mess with them. And that's why I do answer the questions about trip insurance. But as you know, my preference is that you use a credit card to buy a trip that includes trip insurance free just for using that credit card for paying. I think the world of Clark, and he has helped me so much with my finances and life in general. He genuinely cares about people and wants to help them. It's just so clear, and I love that about him. On a different note, I'm extremely disappointed in his promotion of getting two burgers for the price of one. It's not the money-saving tip, but eating crystal burgers will cost you ridiculous amounts of money in hospital visits, medications, surgeries, etc., Eating red meat is proven to be so unhealthy, and the Crystal Burgers takes unhealthy to a new level. Whatever money Clark saves on those burgers this week will cost him so much more in his lifetime, not just him, but his family. Respectfully, Andy. Andy, okay, thank you. And just for people who are not aware, uh, Crystal is a regional hamburger chain that does hamburgers like White Castle, which is a chain a lot of people are familiar with. You also, you don't just, I mean, you Burger King, you oh, do that, Wendy's, whatever, McDonald's. Yeah, well, I, I eat uh, a lot of red meat, and that's why um, I, I eat less crummy stuff than I used to, crummy for me stuff. And life's, you know, a continuum of how we live it and the changes we make. Some people will make an extreme radical U-turn, but I'd say that I'm maybe on the I don't know, 20-yard line on the way to eating better. I eat a lot of vegetables and fruit now that I never used to. And I love the Impossible Burger. And it is not really meat. It's some kind of vegetable, protein, something. It's a veggie burger. So I'm learning step by step, although I would say that my eating habits at this point still are a D plus or C minus. I'm not an F anymore. A caller was questioning if he should open bank accounts to take advantage of cash bonuses for new customers. I believe he was looking at a bonus of $500 for a 60-day deposit, and you were surprised at the 60 days and encouraged him to go for it. I, too, have been opening bank accounts for the bonuses, and bonus requirements do say anywhere from 60 to 90 days, except in most offers I've seen somewhere else in a bank's terms and conditions, you will find that 180 days, six months, is required or the bonus is forfeited if the customer closes the account before the actual length of deposit requirement. Clark, please let your listeners know how to read through all the terms and the gotchas when considering opening up a new bank account offering that attractive bonus. Banks like nothing better than not having to pay a bonus to a customer who didn't fully understand the terms. Veronica. Veronica, thank you. Think about what you just said, though, that an offer that splashes 60 days, but then in the mice type makes it 180 days. It's why the banking business still has not learned how important it is to just be honest and forthright with people. And yes, you always have to read the mice type when you're looking for those great bonuses. And the banks are offering those $500 because they figure life's inertia. You'll intend to close the account but never get around to it. And they capture your deposits on a long-term basis. Clark, 
When it comes to 401k advice, you stink. You're correct that if you take a withdrawal from a 401k, you must pay interest and penalties, but you forgot to advise people today that most employers will allow at least one loan, if not several loans, on your 401k. When you take out a loan off of your 401k of no more than $50,000, you pay yourself back with 6% interest and there are no penalties or taxes on the loan. Keep up your hard work, Clark. John. John, thank you for your post. So I've spent uh, forever trying to discourage you from taking out 401, when I say you, I mean you collectively, not you specifically, John, trying to discourage people from taking out 401k loans because the math shows that if somebody takes out a 401k loan even once, that the impact on the amount of money that you have ultimately in retirement is significant. And so... Uh, if it were me, if I were your emperor, I would uh, I would run a pretty draconian system. I would require everybody to save money out of every paycheck for retirement, and I wouldn't let them touch it till they were retired because I'm really worried about uh, how many people are not going to have financial security when they are older or are physically not able to work anymore. And so I I don't talk a lot about borrowing from 401ks because I don't even want that in somebody's head as a possibility. Clark, you don't really stink, but I think you've been marinating too long. On multiple occasions, you're an advocate for insurance premiums based on mileage driven. I do agree with that, but with an asterisk. Myself, six years ago, my postal job was moved to another facility. 50 miles away. It was not an option, and moving closer would mean my wife would then have to drive further. My yearly mileage went from 12,000 to 26,000 miles. My thought is that if such a program is started, hopefully required job location changes will be excluded in mileage. Thank you for all you do. I think you may want to dry some of the marinade off. You're still over like Rover, and that's a good thing. Ernie. (laughs) Thank you, Ernie. And uh, the... Insurance thing, the auto insurance thing is one that, uh, you know, I I love all the experimentation going on, all the different ideas and how we should charge for it. And I've become so much about this because I've been so frustrated by the auto insurers that set auto insurance rates based on credit score instead of your actual driving record. And the weird thing in a lot of states now is someone with a DUI with a good credit score pays less for auto insurance than somebody who's never had an accident, never had a ticket. And I think that's really upside down and backwards. So I keep trying to noodle a way to charge for auto insurance that would be a system that charges based on the actual risk you present instead of some of the goofy stuff that auto insurers are doing. So I welcome your suggestions and your ideas. Better ways of doing auto insurance almost certainly are going to emerge. And I want to tell you how much I appreciate, first, look at the variety of things that you've commented on during this edition of Clark Stinks. And if there's something you feel I've missed the mark on, please go to clark.com slash clarkstinks and help me out. Let me know. Mary is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Mary. Hey, Clark. How are you? Great. Thank you, Mary. How can I serve you today? 
So, well, Clark, my question is with regard to um, my retirement savings through my employer. So right now, I have my contributions going into a traditional 401k. But last year, my company began offering a Roth 401k option as well. And my question is, should I cease contributions to the traditional and move those contributions to the Roth? Or should there be a balance between the two? Or is there any benefit to having both? Um, And for a little bit of context, I already have a Roth IRA. Who motivated you to do all this saving? I'm so impressed. You did, Clark. (laughs) No, I'm sure you had influences elsewhere, too. But I'm so impressed that you are so focused on living on less than what you make and saving money. So unless you are a giant income earner, you Mm want to do the Roth 401k. Okay. Exclusively. You don't even want to split it. Um, Can you give me general ballpark, uh, kind of what kind of area of income you have per year? Yeah, about 60,000. Definitely do the Roth 401k. No gray. Okay. Because your tax bracket is such that your tax bracket is almost certainly lower now than it will be later in your life. And so you don't want to have the upfront benefit of putting in pre-tax dollars creating a tax time bomb later. And does your employer match any of your money? Yes, they do, up to 5%. Okay, so the match goes into pre-tax. So you'll still be doing pre-tax and post-tax. And the money you've already contributed that's in traditional 401k stays there. It's only contributions going forward that are in the post-tax Roth 401k. So I'd go all in with that. Okay, sounds good. I will. Thank you. And so I'm just so curious, what age do you hope to bag work with you being so dedicated to saving already for your future? Well, right now I'm thinking about 60 years old, Um, but if I can wrangle it sooner, I certainly will. (laughs) All right. Well, you're creating the possibilities by what you're doing, and I hope you've inspired other people as well. Best to you. I hope so, too. Well, thank you, Clark. You as well. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.